Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Isaac Newton Institute podcast. My name's Dan Aspel and I'm the communications manager here. And today I'm very pleased to say I'm joined by Dr. Tony Hill. Thanks very much, Dan. I'm very pleased to be here. Uh, so, Tony, you're, you're here at the Institute as part of a workshop, which, uh, and I'm speaking to you on the Friday afternoon at just gone four o'clock, so it's just finished. Uh, what we're going to be talking about ultimately is uh, exercise and the relationship between uh, exercise and the thought process and thus mathematics. But before we get to that, um, you've got a, a very interesting life story to tell. So would you mind just introducing yourself in a way you work at the moment, where, where your education has been, where you've come from, all that kind of stuff? Okay, well, I think I think in terms of the Newton Institute, I'm an imposter. <laughs> so I, I'm an unemployed mathematician. My life story is very simple, I suppose. I went to Oxford at the conventional time. I went to Brasenose College. I did a degree in mathematics. I'd always wanted to be a teacher. I became a teacher. Whilst I was teaching, I got interested in computing. From that, I ended up doing a PhD, my first PhD, which was in applied maths. Um, From there, I I realised, although I was very interested, I've worked on a number of problems, um, piezoelectric substrates. I've worked on pollution modelling. I've worked on scheduling oil pipelines. But, but the theme that ran through all of that was a growing love of computers. So I got more and more into computers and ended up, towards the end of my working life, uh, floating a company on the stock exchange. That company is called Microfocus. That company is now the biggest technology company in Britain. As often happens, when I leave an organisation, they tend to do rather better when, <laughs> than when I was there. Uh, so they're, they're doing very well, it seems. So I find myself um, in my mid-50s retired, um, and my wife was saying to me, what are you going to do? Uh, so I had three, three objectives when I retired. The first one, I wanted to run a charity. I've always got an interest in, I'm a kind of social entrepreneur, so I did that, which I enjoyed very much. I also uh, wanted to do something intellectually interesting, and so I decided to do another PhD, I'm a kind of frustrated pure mathematician, so I spent a lot of time in applied maths, which I enjoy greatly, but I'd always really wanted to do a PhD in pure maths, so eventually after doing an MSc with the Open University to prove that I could still do mathematics, ended up at King's College, and I worked with a wonderful man called Eugene Chargorodsky, and we've worked together now for uh, 10 years, during which time I've got my second PhD, this time in, in pure maths, and, and now I'm working with Eugene on a, on a well, we find problems and we work on them together. Uh, and as a result of that, I found myself at the, uh, the Newton Institute. And uh, it has actually been one of the most enjoyable conferences I've ever been to. So I've had a fantastic week uh, and I'll be going home shortly and telling my family all about it. Can you tell me a little bit about the relationship between the work you're doing at the moment and uh, what's just happened in the yeah. seminar room? So I've been on a workshop here all around the so-called Wiener-Hopf method. And, and as, as I've learned this week, it has many, many applications. One application, which has been used for probably going back 30 or 40 years now, is in the solution of ellipt- elliptic boundary value problems. My, my pure mass PhD, my second PhD, is about a particular class of elliptic boundary value problems. Unfortunately for me, it's not amenable to the Wiener-Hopf method. But in the early part of my research, I investigated the Wiener-Hopf method, in a sense, to rule it out. So 
So my, it's not central to what I'm doing, but it is adjacent, certainly adjacent to the work that I'm doing now in my post-PhD work. Yeah, and it certainly sounds, you know, from your uh, demeanour, like it's been a very a fulfilling week, a worthwhile week being here. Well, it's a, it's a very special place. I think, first of all, there are some... It is just a fantastic place to be. I'm staying in a nearby college, Churchill College. It's a short walk along a leafy lane to this wonderful building. The facilities are amazing. So, so first of all, it's just a lovely place to be. And uh, I, I'm a, I'm a, I spend a lot of time doing exercise and running. And I'm delighted to say the food has been wonderful. So that's always <laughs> one of my tests. I think, I think what's been very special about this week is that the organisers have managed to collect together a very diverse set of people. I think, so we've got mathematicians, we've got engineers, and we've got physicists. And within, say, the mathematical community, we've got quite abstract, pure mathematicians working on the theory, the underlying, well, what's all this about? all the way through to applied mathematicians using these techniques almost every week to solve problems. And then we've had the considerable illumination from engineers who say, well, this is what it means to us. And it's been incredible to watch the interplay between these groups. Mm. And I think everyone I've spoken to has enjoyed that, that, that lack of homogeneity, that, that diversity. It's been, it's been rather compelling, actually. Oh, there's a really kind words and, and so wonderfully expressed. So thank you very much for, for saying that. Um, there's, before we move on to the next topic, there was something you mentioned in your uh, biography mm. earlier, which you glossed over. And I was just curious, which kind of charity, what kind of charity work did you do? Yeah, so I, I, uh, I worked for a, a charity that look, looked after, well, I was chairman of the charity for five years, that looked after uh, a charity for terminally ill children. So mm. essentially these are children who are not expected to become adults. Mm. Um, and these children have very difficult lives, but they also impose huge burdens on their siblings and on their families. And essentially, the charity I ran was a fundraising charity, which then was, that money was then used to provide support to, to the child, the parents and the siblings. Mm. Um, I, I, it, was, it was something I suppose I was keen to continue, but... But as my wife said, it became a full-time job hmm. and, and it became so absorbing that in the end I had to step back. And, and that was an opportunity for me then to get more involved in mathematics. But, but, but it's, something, it's something I feel very proud that I've done and, 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 and it's affected me very deeply. Yeah, I can imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, uh, one topic I'm really keen to talk about is your running. And yes. your running CV is something I'd, I'd love to hear. So. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your experience. So I, I, I've been a runner all my life, and and it's and it's one of the. I've been in the same running club for thirty five years, Tring Running Club, and it's a central part of every day. That well, obviously I'm nearly seventy years old now, so I, I don't run as much as I used to. But what I what I have managed to do very successfully is transition from being a runner to a runner and a walker. So uh, I'm now I think for my age quite a fast walker I'm, I'm a centurion for example which means that I've walked 100 miles in less than 24 hours and where did uh, you do that? I uh, did that on an athletics track in South End oh right okay uh, and there's an organisation called the Brotherhood of Centurions and yeah. 
and probably since it was founded in 1904 there are less than a thousand British people have actually done it mm. now because you could argue how many British people would want to do it but, <laughs> but nonetheless it, it's, a, yeah. it's a mark of your walking ability but what I really enjoy doing is uh, walking events that go cross-country. Mm. So, for example, in just one week's time, I'm taking part in the Ridgeway Challenge, which starts from where I live in Hertfordshire and goes all the way to Wiltshire. Mm. And my goal, and I've done it several times, is to cover this 86 miles in less than 24 hours. Mm. And it's the kind of thing, just to give you an idea of how people normally do it, most people normally spend a week doing it and, yeah. and stop at pubs along the way. Yeah, yeah. But, well, but it this, sounds quite nice. It is. It's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful. Particularly the, the, the first part through the children's is a, is a very beautiful run and walk. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, which would you prefer in that situation, running or, or walking it? Well, so, so these days, uh, essentially, I use running as a way of training. Mm. But because I like to do really long events, I tend to walk them. Mm. And, and the interesting thing about this Ridgeway Challenge is that it is a running event. And, and I will be last at halfway. Not only will I be last, I will be an hour behind the competitor in front of me. Mm. And yet, if it goes as I hope it will, and, and over the last few years, I will finish in the top half of the field. Mm. So essentially, it's one of these things where you can choose as a, as, as a machine, as it were, to start off at eight miles an hour, mm. but end at two miles an hour. Or you can choose to start at four miles an hour and try and finish at four miles an hour. Mm. And, and really, when you think about it, in terms of if you think you've got a finite pot of energy, which broadly speaking you have you want to spend it economically all the way through rather than burn through it at the beginning so so what i find is on events of 100 kilometers or more 60 miles or more i can still compete at age 69 with young men and women in their 30s and 40s mm. which gives me uh, a great enjoyment absolutely and yeah. you're you're definitely as you just demonstrated approaching this with a, a mathematician's mind <laughs> yes. um, and uh, we spoke briefly before we started recording about uh, how the act of running and walking might either free your mind for more thought mm. or, or generate that atmosphere in which ideas can be created is that something that you experience yes exactly and obviously i'm not the first person to comment on this many many famous thinkers have talked about this and I think what happens is that when you're exercising certainly when you reach a steady state which is really what I've been talking about this idea that you try and travel at constant speed for a long time then somehow all the bodily things are happening quite autonomously obviously that happens with our breathing but you find that you're just moving autonomously without any conscious effort whatsoever and once you reach that point I think there's probably lots of chemicals released people tell me endorphins are released whatever is happening somehow your mind becomes free of all the day-to-day -day distractions you know your mobile phone will your car be there when you get back have you renewed the house insurance whatever these things are that clutter our minds up so you're free of that and somehow it's a great moment to think about mathematics uh, and, and as we were talking earlier what i find is it's a very productive period now, that doesn't mean that every idea that's thought of is good. But what it does mean is amongst those hundred ideas, there may be one or two that have come from that, that activity that are really useful. So it's just a way of 
freeing your mind. I think I joked earlier, if this interview was happening in the 1960s, we'd be taking LSD to achieve the same effect. <laughs> well, this is a legal intoxication, which is, which is very... Ple- Obviously, I haven't taken LSD. I just want to make that clear for the record. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And there's an, another related aspect to this, which I'd like to ask you about, which is that from my own experience, if you were to do a circular walk or run, mm. uh, the association of uh, thought and place is so strong. For yes. example, as soon as you revisit a place, you immediately remember with great clarity yes. what you were speaking about or yes. thinking about when you were last there, yes. which I know is the basis of a lot of mnemonic memory techniques. Yes. Uh, so is that something you've experienced as well? Yes, I do. And I often do these walks with a friend of mine from the running club. And uh, and I'm often able to say to her when we turn a corner, I say, do you remember two years ago when we were here, <laughs> we were talking about, and it's exactly as you say, it's an ink. And, 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 and it's funny, you're quite right, these, these memories aren't available at the beginning of the walk. Mm. They only become available as you yeah. most physically do it. It's astonishing. Yeah. And, and I can remember, I'm always getting lost. I'm ashamed to say I have a terrible sense of direction. <laughs> it just leads to more running and more walking. Indeed, <laughs> it does. And so I can remember every place I've been lost and I've taken the wrong turn. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Well, it's fascinating to hear that. And I, I know, as you say, a, a lot has been written and said about it, but it's lovely to hear it afresh uh, from someone. Are there any sort of particular revelations or eureka moments you've had whilst running or walking? Or is it generally just thinking about any problem that you happen to be working on at the time? Yeah, well, a, a big part of my uh, pure mass PhD, the one I've just finished at King's, involved the um, the study of a transcendental equation involving many special functions. And it had a very, very complicated and daunting form, and it included four parameters, each of which could vary over a wide range. And the problem was, how do you prove that this thing has no solutions? And, uh, and, and this took me a year. And... Um, there were, there were two things I did. One is I used um, some software called Mathematica to, to animate this on the computer. And having had a long session on Mathematica, I would then often go for a walk for a couple of hours and somehow, having watched all these animations of this function in the complex plane, as I walked along, somehow I distilled from all of that experience an idea. And so I'm delighted to say that you know after a... A year of that kind of iteration between Mathematica and walking, I was able, in 30 pages of highly complex mathematics, to actually show, indeed, there was no solution. So it was a, it was a wonderful example. And, and I think if I hadn't used Mathematica, and if I hadn't been walking, I would never have solved it. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. That's exciting to hear. And so um, before we wrap up our chat, um, what lies ahead for you uh, in terms of walking and running and, and in terms of your... Uh, academic work as well yes so I'll be 70 in February so I have two running goals for for next year the first is I do um, a hundred mile event with the long distance walkers association Um, that will be in um, in South Wales next year I want to do that in less than 36 hours Mm -hmm. which will put me in the in the in in some one of the best times for a 70 year old in, in those kinds of events and I want to do the Ridgeway Challenge, which I'm about to do, again, in under 24 hours, which will make me one of a very small number of people who've ever done that. So so that's, those are my walking goals. And, and I hope that I can continue, well, you never know, as, as long as possible. Uh, mathematically, 
there are so many things to do. Mm. Um, so, so one of the useful connections I've made here is with someone who works in an adjacent field to mine, and and with um, Eugene Shalgorodsky, we're we're initiating a discussion around, okay, what would you like us to do? What would what would it, you know? We've got many things we could do, but but please tell us what would be helpful for you. So those discussions I think will be happening over the next few months. Oh, that's lovely to hear. And um, those both sound like passions which will keep you going for decades to come. So, Indeed. Yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. Uh, I wish you the very best for the future. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dan. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you.